This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here for another episode of the Prospect Podcast. Thank you for listening. What I'm going to do for this episode, now that we are extremely close to April, the month of the NFL Draft, the month of the Masters, the month when weather gets nice, typically, not last year, but it seems like it's going to be this year on the East Coast, I'm going to go into my grading system. And actually, what I do every year, so my autofill on Google Chrome uh, finds that year's grading system. I like name them something different every year. It's kind of fun. College football notebook, I think was 2018. Scouting notebook 2019. Last year, what was last year's? Let me see. 2020 scouting notebook. So all I needed to do was type in 2020. And this year, I try to get really creative. It's called the Evaluation Master Sheet 2021. So really church that up. And I'm going to just go through each position and talk about players that I think stand out that I like maybe a little more than most, or I'm a little bit enamored by, uh, as prospects. I got this idea. I was on yesterday with Sigmund Bloom from football guys, the audible, their podcast on the couch. I've been wanting to be on that podcast forever. I have great admiration for Sigmund Bloom, a lot of respect for him. I think Sigmund Bloom is one of the smartest football minds and just smartest people in the football industry mostly fantasy now, but when I started off on Twitter, he was doing a lot of draft content and analysis too. He's a very smart guy. He just asked me one of the question or like, this was a question that he asked me, like who, who do who's the prospect that you kind of, that's like your guy. And I think he actually worded it exquisitely. Like he normally does. Like, who do you have admiration for? And I will get to that player later on in this podcast, but I'm going to start a quarterback. Felipe Franks from Arkansas. And I'll admit, I went into that film, his Arkansas film, thinking this is going to be not great because I remember watching him at Florida and he was a big recruit. He had a big arm. He was pretty athletic and just never really got it done. His sophomore season was pretty good, but then early in his junior year, didn't look like the guy. The freshman year was kind of all over the place. But thinking back to my bias episode and just how bias is always on my mind when I'm doing the scouting. It's like I'm going to go in with a clean slate uh, and just just watch his film and just write what I think about him and grade him based on what I am seeing. And he really put some good film out there in 2020 at Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas up front, their offensive line wasn't great. They had some pretty good skill position players. Running back Rakeem Boyd is probably going to get drafted. should get drafted. But I saw a tall, big-armed quarterback who was pretty accurate from a clean pocket, despite the big arm, was not uh, inaccurate underneath 
and at the intermediate levels, I saw someone that did flash that ability to flick the football 45 yards down the field or rip it through a tight window. And then that improvisation, not doing Patrick Mahomes type things off script, but improvising and maybe making someone miss a D end and then running and accelerating for a first down. And at times two, throwing on the run with accuracy. There were a lot of times where he held the football a little bit too long, took sacks, took a hit when he could have checked it down when he threw it, you know, up and over a linebacker, but then took a hit from a defensive tackle. I was impressed. He is my number 10 quarterback right now, just behind Kyle Trask, Jamie Newman, and Kellen Mond. I think if you are to look at my big board, which is not completed yet, if you can believe that, I just was a little behind this year doing more general NFL stuff at CBS Sports throughout the season and obviously into the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Uh, And the availability of film is never fun until we get into this late in the process almost. He's my number 101 overall prospect. I think if you are sitting there in the fourth round, regardless of your scheme, you should, and you need maybe a, a developmental type, or you want a younger backup or a third stringer that can take over as your backup who might be entering the final year of his deal. Felipe Franks, watch the film. I can see why he was a big time recruit. And he has really franchise quarterback type skills, arm strength ball placement, and athleticism. I think he gets a little antsy in the pocket. Um, Maybe is not the quickest processor of what he's seeing. But the last thing I wrote in my scouting notes for him, absolutely worth a day three selection as a developmental type. And not just because of the athleticism and the arm. And I sometimes that is the reason why a quarterback is picked on in the fifth round or the sixth round. I liked the final season, calmed down a little bit, made better decisions, and threw with a lot more accuracy. Running back position. Scrolling down my list, the guy that really is intriguing to me, uh, there's actually a few, but I will go with Justin Henderson, the running back from Louisiana Tech. I don't know how I stumbled upon him, but I watched the film and I was mostly 2019 because 2020 didn't play in a lot of games. And there was like, I don't even think he had that many games where he had over 10 carries, but he was like the workhorse in 2019 at Louisiana Tech. Built like a fire hydrant, but springy and explosive. Great vision, found the cutback lane a lot, was using kind of a mostly a zone scheme there at Louisiana Tech. Not a lot of hesitation to his game. And he's a north-south runner. He's not, for as bouncy as he can be, he's not trying to cut laterally three times on a run. He's trying to get upfield, subtly cutting to hit the backside or just stay frontside on his own play, make one little juke to make an arm tackle attempt with and then get upfield and fall forward, creating some destruction as he's falling forward too because he's built so low to the ground. His contact balance is pretty good. I like his initial speed after getting the handoff. 
there's not a lot of film or a lot of plays on film where he's running past people, but he just looks like someone that can get more than what is blocked and will always get exactly what is blocked, if not a little more. He's not going to miss a lot of holes. He's not going to dance. Um, he reminds me of James Robinson. I don't know if I've said this on this podcast yet. I know, I know I've said it in other places, but Justin Henderson, 3.4 yards per carry uh, in his final season at Louisiana Tech, 5.6 in 2019 with over 10 touchdowns. So I think in pretty good in the screen game, not like a crazy receiver, but didn't look like he had stone hands or anything. Uh, I just like how efficient he is as a runner, contact balance and vision, subtle juking skills, stays at top speed when he's making those cuts. Um, and actually I'll throw in one other player, uh, Iowa state running back, Kenny Waganwu. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I just came across him after that pro day workout. That was phenomenal over 210. I think right at 210 pounds ran in the four threes had over a 40 inch vertical. Uh, and he was obviously second terms of volume behind Brees Hall there at Iowa State this past season. But you want to talk about suddenness and explosive, not just after getting the handoff, but through the second level and then down the field. Woof. Kene, N-W-A-N-G-W-U. And normally by now I have the unique names, first or last name, down. But because I just stumbled upon him after the pro day and I saw the workout and found his film, I don't have that name down yet, but Iowa state running back, I believe single digit, like number three or number five, something like that. And then he's a great returner too. He's like one of the best big 12 return men in that conference's history, certainly in Iowa state history too. So, you know, the ability to create in space and hit home runs is there. So he, Justin Henderson is just above him. My 13, my number 13 running back. And then Kenny Naguanwu. That sounds about right. That's at this point close enough. And obviously no disrespect for not knowing his name. I will get that by the draft. Very explosive player uh, who I think just on the workout alone uh, and his return prowess will get drafted. Those two are a lot of fun on film. Wide receiver, and this is the player I highlighted with Sigmund Bloom on the Football Guys podcast, Daz Newsom from North Carolina. He's my number eight wide receiver, which is probably the highest you are going to see him. He's a slot receiver. He gets to full speed in a hurry. Blink of an eye, he is at top speed. And whether it be on a jet sweep or a swing pass or a drag route or an intermediate in-breaking route, a dig, he just instantly clicks into top gear. And he's another one amazing returner. I believe against Syracuse, he was like almost untackleable on kick returns and punt returns in that game. Very sudden dynamic athleticism. I think he's pretty fast. I don't think he's like four, three or, or low four, four guys. I think he's like mid to high four fours, which is plenty fast enough. If you're a sudden good vision, slot wide receiver. And he just fits what you want in today's NFL. I think he's decent in terms of contested catch situations, doesn't have bad hands. 
kind of was lost in the shuffle behind Dimey Brown and certainly those running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter this past season at North Carolina. But Daz Newsome, man, his film was so fun to watch. And I think his traits and his what he does stylistically on the football field fit perfectly with what teams want from their wide receivers today. Offensive tackle. A lot of interesting ones. Um, to me, and the guy I was initially going to highlight, Stone Forsyth from Florida, Lance Zerline of NFL Network, it's kind of been on him, put a pretty big grade on him uh, for his NFL draft profiles. He doesn't necessarily do it for me from a technique perspective, but I don't think that's, again, why Lance was so high on him. He's 6'9 and 3'10, looks like a tight end and everything. I, I'm going to go, though, but he is fascinating. So Stone Forsyth, if you haven't watched him, go flip on some Kyle Trask or Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony film and watch their left tackle. He's a monster and effortlessly strong, but has a ways to go from the technique standpoint, but super long and very naturally powerful. I'm going to go uh, Deontay Smith from East Carolina. We didn't see a lot of him this year. I believe one game he played, and then he got injured and then decided to sit out the rest of the year. But in 2019, six foot five, like well under 300 pounds, like two was playing in probably the 280s or 290s and looked like a, another one that was a big tight end. The senior bowl, but he was so good and showed so much athletic promise in 2019 still was invited to the senior bowl and hats off to Jim Nagy and that staff for getting him there. Six foot five, two ninety-four, with 35 and a fourth inch arms and an 85 and a fifth inch wingspan. I don't know if that one fifth is correct, but maybe it's one eighth. Anyway, that is insanely long. And his frame looks like in about a weekend in the NFL, he could put on 10 pounds. If he could play in in the three tens, I think he wouldn't lose an ounce of his athleticism. And in terms of suddenness, short area quickness, and yes, I'm talking about that at the offensive tackle spot, that's uh, Deontay Smith. He is very athletic side to side. And when he quick sets a defensive end, very powerful knows that he needs to get up and under some of those edge rushers and linebackers at the second level, mean streak, nastiness in the run game can slide back to the inside against an inside move, a crossover or a swim. Uh, his film was a lot of fun. It, it really just came down to, can he gain weight? And I used to really ding offensive tackles for that, but that's almost the one thing that we know always happens with any offensive lineman or 95% of them. They need to add 10, 15 pounds to get stronger. Give them a year in an NFL weight room. They'll be 315 and be super strong within a year. He's my number 12 offensive tackle right now. He could play guard. He got some reps at guard down there in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Last thing I wrote about him, legitimate all-pro upside at tackle. He really, truly has that super long, crazy athlete. Maybe a little over-aggressive, but I think he reigns it in for the most part in most situations. D. 
Deontay Smith, East Carolina. Find his film. It's not actually that easy to find. Um, but, man, you he stands out. And I can understand why even only playing one game in 2020, why he was still invited to the 2020 Senior Bowl. The tight end spot. This is an easy one for me. Quentin Morris from Bowling Green. Uh, former wide receiver. And you watch his 2019 film, which I'm not a big, like, go back and watch, like, when he was a freshman. But when I especially see a position change, I, I tend to want to look back at, at who that player was pre-position change. And he looked like, you know, a Chase Claypool type in the Mac. Like, he was just rebounding the football over everyone. No one could tackle him. They transitioned him to tight end. He gains a little bit of weight. I think it saps some of his uh, explosiveness out of his breaks. But in terms of stretching the seam, I think he's pretty fast. And I think uh, he has the body type and the experience taking hits while catching the football that you can rely on him to take those hits in the NFL and still hold on to the football. He has a well-built frame. Uh, is he a blocker? No, but I don't think that's that big of a deal. I mean, I, I graded him somewhat low in the blocking category, but that is one of the least weighted categories I have at the tight end spot. Quinton Morris from Bowling Green. Separation, nah, not great in terms of running routes, but if you just say, hey, line up in the slot and run this post route down the seam, skinny post, I think he can run past some linebackers at the NFL level. Quinton Morris, don't forget that name on day three. I don't know. I don't think he's had, or actually, I think he did have his pro day. But regardless of that, uh, I think he just being the former wide receiver, pass catching prowess, speed, hands, very strong with the football and has a good fr- good size frame um, as we're seeing the tight end and receiver spot. The big slot is either a big wide receiver or a smaller tight end. I think Quinton Morris from Bowling Green is kind of my favorite like day three tight end, like by a wide margin. He's actually my number five tight end. That's how he came out behind Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth, Brevin Jordan, and Hunter Long. So I probably have him graded Quinton Morris a lot higher than where he'll ultimately go. But He's a sleeper. He can catch passes, and he's fast. In uh, Interior offensive line. Not a group that I adore. Uh, I don't think it's very good on the interior offensive line. Um, the guy that I'm going to highlight, though, is Sardarius Hutcherson from South Carolina. I have no idea how Hutcherson was not invited to the Senior Bowl. And that's, again, I just was... Uh, heaping praise on Jim Nagy and his staff for the job they do assembling that roster. But they get a lot of uh, insight from NFL teams, like who the NFL wants to see at at that all-star game in that week of practice. So I'm assuming the NFL is not very high on him, but we're talking about a redshirt senior, like four years of starting experience in the SEC. He... At his pro day last week, benched like he had 36 reps on the bench. He looks that strong and powerful on film. Great athlete for the guard position. Like the first thing really that stands out about his film is how quick he is off the snap and getting to the second level and reach blocking and getting across a gap to stop a penetrating defensive tackle. And then you notice how strong he is and how good his anchor is. 
And then he truly has recovery ability at the guard spot, which is pretty rare, I think. He's my number seven interior offensive lineman. Oh, and he's long and, and, and has an NFL frame too. He's like 6'4", 320 right now. So Sardarius Hutcherson, fourth round. I have him graded at number 110 overall. If you want a starting guard, pick Sardarius Hutcherson. Maybe not a crazy high ceiling, although I do think with the athleticism and the fact that he could get even and probably will get stronger in the NFL, um, there's some upside, but high floor player. I think you plug him in right away at either left guard or right guard, and you have a starter who is not going to be a liability as a rookie. The linebacker position. Another group I don't think is super strong. But the player I want to highlight is Derek Barnes from Purdue. Now on film, and the fact that he's like six foot and almost like over 235, 240, he looks like your early 2000s, mid 2000s, like Mike linebacker that's just going to thump downhill, liability in the pass game, but will get you a lot of tackles, like Paul Puzlesny type. But I saw a fair amount of range from him from that middle linebacker spot uh, that I, I, I think, I mean, that is the position he'll probably play in the NFL, but I don't think he's stiff. I don't think he's slow. I think he is a big time high energy player. And there's a lot of acceleration. The moment the play begins, he's ready to go. There's not a lot of hesitation. There's good burst. And although he's a little smaller and lacks length, uh, he's very willing and assertive taking on blocks and beating blocks. And that's pretty important still not as important as maybe it was when there was more running in the NFL, but, and at times he can kind of, uh, exert a lot of energy, uh, beating that block kind of takes him out of the play, but I want to see my linebacker that I can beat blocks unless he is an absolute freak of an athlete like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. And then what's crazy is that with Derek Barnes, this six-foot, 238-pounder can line up on the edge and drive offensive tackles back into the quarterback because he's built so low to the ground and there is so much power and quickness to power conversion in his game. Watch the Iowa game. Watch Purdue-Iowa. Watch number 55, push back Alaric Jackson, who's going to be drafted and was at the Senior Bowl. And whoever, there was like two right tackles that played in that game, like threw them to the ground. And I don't care if those players are not going to play in the NFL. To have that stature at the linebacker spot and you're throwing a Iowa-fed right tackle onto the ground with your bull rush, like you have some pass rush ability. And I think just with his athleticism and the fact that he can kind of dip and be so much lower than these six, five, six, six tackles in the NFL. I think Derek Barnes might not give you a ton in coverage. I think he has the athleticism to be okay in coverage. He didn't show a lot of ball production at Purdue, but if he can't do that for you, you can line him up as an outside, as a Sam linebacker, put him on the line as your overhang linebacker and let him just attack the quarterback on third down. It's my number 10 off ball linebacker in this class. 
kind of like Micah Parsons light because Micah Parsons gives you that ridiculous pass rush ability more so than elite coverage skill. And that's what Derek Barnes gives you second round, third round, fourth round. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell with the value of the linebacker spot. I wouldn't be shocked if he was there in the fourth round or fifth round, but Derek Barnes from Purdue and had a good pro day as well. My probably favorite like off the radar linebacker at this point, defensive line. So we're talking mostly defensive tackles uh, that can play on the edge if you need them to. I'm going to go with Darius Stills from West Virginia. He's kind of a throwback in that he's like little and he's this, when I'm saying little, that's relative. He's shorter. He has short arms for the defensive tackle spot. And he kind of plays like a wrestler. Like he is so tenacious, so quick off the snap. I think he is the most agile defensive tackle in this class. Very quick from gap to gap, like laterally. And a lot of these defensive tackles, scouting them over the years, they are all about quickness, first step, and bull rush. Like that's their initial game plan is to try to win with their first step, with quickness. And if they can't, they're into the chest plate of that guard or of that center, and they're just going to try to push him back. Darius Stills like tries to win side to side, and it makes him very difficult to block, and he has good pass rushing moves, and he's pretty strong and built so low to the ground, it's not as easy to move him at like 6'2 and 290 as you would think. So Darius Stills from West Virginia didn't have crazy production, but I think he can pressure the quarterback on occasion, and he's not going to be a crazy liability against the run. And just from an athletic perspective, I think uh, he has NFL abilities. He reminds me almost exactly of Puna Ford when he was coming out of Texas. He was like 6'2", 299, I think, and like he didn't get invited to the combine, and everyone thought that it was because he wasn't 300 pounds or maybe he was like 289 or something like that. He was like just under of a weird threshold and Puna Ford has been pretty darn good as an undrafted guy for the Seattle Seahawks. I think he just got a second contract dude. Good for him. Edge rusher spot. I would go with Eddie Ogundeji, but I think he's, I think he's going to get picked pretty early second or third round. Um, so I wanted to go with someone a little bit deeper down the list. I will go with William Bradley King from Baylor. Started at Arkansas State, transfers to Baylor, and the Big 12 wasn't too big for him. I, I like the decision to go from Arkansas State where he could have had crazy amount of pressures, but he wouldn't have been getting ready for the NFL as well as he did at Baylor in the Big 12 this season. I think he's pretty explosive. There are moments of impressive bend around the corner. Same with his handwork. He's not crazy good with his hands, but there are times where he pieces together like a move into a counter move and just completely bamboozles the offensive tackle. Um, he's got a good bull rush too. speed to power is there because he is explosive and you can tell that that's part of his pass rush plan that times at times he will try to win uh, with a long arm stab and then we'll swim to the inside. And then other times he's like, I'm going to try to win simply with my bend on an outside speed rush. And then other times he's like this one, I'm going to kind of fake my outside speed rush 
get the offensive tackle to open up his hips and then just subtly cut back to the inside and just push him back into the quarterback. And it's typically effective. He's got good length too at like 6'3", 255. So he's built very sturdy and good length. I don't remember. Actually, let me see. I don't have. Yeah, 6'3", 254 with 32 and 3 fourth inch arms, nearly an 81 inch wingspan. And if you care about hand size at the edge spot, 10 and 1 fourth inch hand. So he's long. Pretty sturdy frame, 6'3", almost 6'4", 254. Uh, William Bradley King, probably a day three pick, although he did play well and perform uh, up to the challenge at the Senior Bowl. I really like him. I think he's an ascending. Like, There's a few rushers that I talk about as ascending players. I think he is one of them. Like You saw, you see that later in the season started to play a little better and that you see that he can win with speed, he can win with bend, he can win with paths rushing moves and he has the length and the body to be a good situational rusher in the NFL fourth, fifth round, sixth round. That would be a great pick for any team. Every team needs more pass rushers. Cornerback. I don't know if there's anyone yet that has really become like my guy at the position. Actually I'll go with one that I've had as my guy. For a while, Thomas Graham from Oregon. He's not a great athlete for the position in terms of speed, but I think he is the classic corner, and this happens with receivers, with running backs, who plays quicker than what he would time at the Oregon Pro Day. He's small. He looks like a slot corner, but predominantly played on the outside for the Ducks. And like 32 pass breakups over three seasons, a bunch of picks, savvy in zone, reads the quarterback and the route concepts in a split second, gets to the football, plays bigger than being like 5'10", pretty good leaping ability. He's not going to jump out of the gym, but pretty good leaping ability. And he has a feistiness. He'll, he'll scratch and claw to get his hands on the football. Do you want him in zone? Was the senior bowl a great showcase for him? No. But if you're going to play a lot of man and the league is about 65% man at this point or zone, I should say put Thomas Graham in your secondary, get him at slot defender, bump him out to the perimeter when you're, when uh, you're facing a team with smaller, quicker wide receivers and, and you need someone with that skill set to play out wide. I just think you can't to not be, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a, a box score scout here, but, you're doing something right with 32 pass breakups and like eight interceptions over three seasons. I really like Thomas Graham. He's my number 11 corner. I went back and watched his film after my initial big board that dropped uh, on March 1st at CBS Sports and realized that he, he does lack in the speed department. But his ball skills, I think, are fantastic. I think he's twitchy. Mirroring, again, in man-to-man, maybe not that won't be his forte. But Thomas Graham from Oregon, probably a day three pick, but I think he's going to well outplay his draft position. And then at the safety spot, the two that are obvious because I have first round grades on them, Richie Grant from UCF and Andre Sisco from Syracuse. I love their film from coverage and range, ball skills, twitchiness, run defense, size, and length. Those are my five categories. 
from most heavily weighted to the least heavily weighted at the safety spot. They just passed it with flying colors. So those would be the obvious ones. And Jamar Jefferson from Indiana is right behind our Darius Washington. Jamar Jefferson has been after, I think, Lance Erlein put a big grade on him. A lot of people went back and watched him and said, oh, this guy's pretty good. I'm going to go with Richard LeCounty from Georgia. He ran like 4.75 at the Georgia Pro Day. That's going to put up a lot of red flags. He just simply cannot run with pass catchers in the NFL. I think he, though, is one of those players in in the secondary that plays a lot faster than his time speed. He is so instinctive. I love that he played so much free safety at Georgia. And there's a few plays where he looks significantly faster than 4.57, running the alley on an outside run and then laying the lumber. Good instincts. He'll notice when that long ball down the sideline is coming and get there in a hurry and then leap from way away from where the ball is going to land and break it up. Plays with reckless abandon. He's not a great tackler. He's a little bit undersized. He kind of sells out, and that will lead to highlight hits, but also some misses. But I think his ball skills are good. I think the experience that he had at Georgia, playing for Kirby Smart, instincts, and there's just not a lot of like legitimate free safeties in any draft class, and this one in particular. I know the league is looking for like how much can you do for me at the safety spot, but if Richard LeCounty can be like a fourth or a fifth or even a sixth round pick, maybe seventh rounder because of that slow 40 that says, Hey, I can come in and I can play free safety for you. You're not going to have to worry about that many big plays being led up by this defense. If I'm the free safety. And that's what he did at Georgia. He did a great job doing that. Then I think there is extreme value there. So Richard LeCounty from Georgia, Richard LeCounty, the third, which sounds very uh, ornate is my favorite safety prospect that 